Welcome back to another episode of Box Box WSL, where we cover the Women's Champions League. I'm Alex Waseta, your host, and as usual, I'm joined today by Jesse Parker Humphreys and Abdullah Abdullah. How are you two? Good, it's been a good week. Yeah, enjoyable week of games and general action was a busy week, but other than that, it's been a good time. To say the least. And today we have another guest. We're joined by a German journalist to help us go further in depth about the German sides, Wolfsburg and Bayern Munich in the Women's Champions League. Welcome, Jasmina Schweimler. Nailed that. <laughs> yeah, you really did. Thank you so much for having me. So, so good to be here. Oh, it's definitely our pleasure. We definitely needed a, a bit more in-depth knowledge on the German side than we potentially could have had in the last um, couple episodes. With Jasmina, we will analyze Wolfsburg versus Chelsea and Bayern Munich versus Rosengard. And at the end, we will also look forward to the tasty matchup of Chelsea and Bayern Munich in the semifinal. A quick recap of the Women's Champions League quarterfinals. After seven attempts, Chelsea finally beat Wolfsburg in the Champions League with an aggregate score of 5-1. But the scoreline doesn't tell the whole story, and we'll go into that further later in a bit. And Chelsea were now faced by in the semifinal, who unsurprisingly advanced over Rosengard in a 4-0 aggregate win. On the other side of, of England, Gareth Taylor might have regretted saying that coming back from a 3-0 deficit against Barcelona wasn't a tough task, because as uh, this pod kind of expected, Manchester City were unable to get the better of the Spanish side. And although winning 2-1 on the afternoon... Barcelona advanced to the semis on a 4-2 aggregate win. They await the winner of Lyon PSG that is being played on April 18th because of the original match was postponed due to positive COVID cases in the Lyon squad. We'll, we'll dive in directly into, into why Jasmine is here, really. A very different match to the first leg. And Chelsea managed a 3-0 win in the second leg in Budapest, of course, a neutral ground. Um, but it was, very similar, it was a very similar story for Wolfsburg, who hurt themselves more than Chelsea hurt them. They didn't cap- capitalize on their chances, whereas Chelsea buried the chances they got. It was as simple as that. Pernille Harder got the first of the day from the penalty spot, um, which kind of sealed a, a big advantage, I think. That's that's when kind of Wolfsburg dropped their shoulders just, just a little bit. Um, and then moments after, Sam Kerr brilliantly got the second goal inside the box. She held um, and shielded a Sophie Ingle cross, turned with the defender right on her back and just passed the ball inside inside the post, brilliantly placed. Um, and then, of course, Fran Kirby, yeah, again, <laughs> scores in a new week um, in the 81st minute from a close-range shot. And it, it started from a superb touch from Pernille Harder in the midfield. I don't know if any, any of you caught that little touch there. She just had a little dink over a Wolfsburg, a Wolfsburg player and she started the attack. Um, so that was a, that's a notable mention on the podcast. The scoreline was heavily in favor of Chelsea, but the rest of the numbers tell a different story. Um, so in this podcast, we're going we're gonna to dive into more stats than we usually do. So caution for that for whoever's listening and doesn't like a lot of XG stats and little numbers here and there. Uh, but Chelsea edged possession with 51%, with six total attempts on goal and four on target. And Wolfsburg actually managed one more attempt on goal, but with just two on target. Um, also, disclaimer that these stats are from Y Scout, and I tried searching from like four different places, and they all had different stats. And Y Scout is the most reliable for for the three of us, so caution on on the numbers there. But looking onto expected goals, Chelsea averaged one point seven three the second leg, with an improvement from the first leg. But more notably, 
Wolfsburg still had a 1.3 expected goals the second leg, a decrease in the first leg. They had a 4.07. So that's a big drop and a bit of increase for Chelsea, which kind of tells the story of what happened there. Yes, Chelsea played really well. You know, they there's no taking away a lot of um, success from Emma Hayes and the team, but it wasn't a complete domination or dismantling of Wolfsburg as a lot of people seem to to see it. You know, the Germans did more harm to themselves than anything over both of these legs. And and yes, Chelsea scored and Wolfsburg didn't. I think that's that's kind of the the baseline of what happened. And Jasmina, you've seen Wolfsburg play in the league more closely than we have, definitely. How did Wolfsburg perform over these two legs against Chelsea? Did they underperform or overperform, in your opinion? That's that's a difficult question, actually. But looking at the first leg, I have to say that was probably the strongest Wolfsburg performance I've seen this season. Like That was everything you could ask for from a team. Like They had possession, they dominated, they had... A lot of great chances. The thing that's been missing this season is that they make use of it. And that's kind of what they have to deal with all season. And in the second leg, you know, they had everything to lose. Chelsea didn't. They kept great composure. Like, I was really impressed how calm Chelsea still were. When you know, when you concede the first goal and you know you have to score four now, that's a tough task. And even with the experience Wolfsburg have, that's that's tough. Like, But... Overall, I would say that they performed well. It's just that they beat themselves. I tweeted it on the first leg, for the first leg, that they have to be careful with the risky passes they play in the back line because that's where teams can really hurt them. And when you have the individual quality like Chelsea has, they're going to benefit from that. In the league, that doesn't happen way too often because the quality is not there. But on the biggest stage, on the European stage, that's you're going to get punished for it. Chelsea, Chelsea definitely had a few spaces to to exploit, but at the same time, I think Wolfsburg did as much exploiting as they did, if that makes any sense. You know, Jesse, not taking away from the great achievements of your Chelsea and Emma Hayes, of course. Now Chelsea have to go up against a similar opponent in the semis, who are essentially the better team in the league and this season in particular. Chelsea certainly played better in the second leg. But Jesse, what were your takeaways from the second leg in contrast to the first leg? Is there anything that disappointed you or impressed you? Yeah, I think there were kind of two notable changes in the in the players that came in. The first one being that Jess Carter came in at, at right back and, and she had a fantastic game. You know, I think it was a bit nervy seeing seeing her take that spot. I think most people expected Hannah Blundell to play just for that little bit extra of experience. But she Jess Carter looked really, really good. And she just kind of grew in confidence as the game went on. And I think she was really helped by the fact that Millie Bright also had a really good game. um, And it just felt like they really had each other's backs. And then obviously the other change being Aaron Cuthbert coming in for for G, which I just think made an absolute world of difference. You know, in the first leg, it felt like G was just really struggling to kind of get stuck in to, to track back. Um, and Aaron Cuthbert is is kind of the opposite of that. And, you know, just picking up on some of the stats. In the first leg, G had like kind of four ground jewels, which is, you know, she was like going for the ball and one, two. Whereas Aaron Cuthbert in this game, one her had 15 and one, eight. And it just kind of speaks to the fact that Aaron Cuthbert just has that real like kind of destroyer attitude in the midfield. And I thought I thought it worked really well for Chelsea. So I think the, the key takeaway was was seeing Emma Hayes 
know what it felt like Chelsea were missing in that first leg and being able to make those adjustments in a really effective way. But I still think the the worry going forward will be that Wolfsburg really highlighted both Chelsea's tactical fragility, but also a bit of mental fragility that I think we saw a lot in, in the first leg. And, you know, yeah, I do think in this game, Chelsea were remarkably much calmer. Like I did worry at points that they were going to kind of lose their head again. There was that kind of 15 minute period in the first half before Chelsea scored the penalty where it kind of felt like Wolfsburg were getting that grip back on them. And I think Chelsea did very well to keep their heads in that situation. But I think Bayern particularly will be able to look at this and say, we can really get at this team. And I just think mentally that that is a bit of a worry for Emma Hayes and Chelsea. Yeah, it was definitely interesting, especially when matches are played over two legs. Um, I think a second leg, depending on the scoreline, is all about managing rather than, you know, playing out to to get the opponent, out to get the the result. And Chelsea, obviously, they, they did a lot better. But at the same time, you know, they had no rush in attacking. They had no rush in, in scoring three, five goals, for example. Um, and you felt the difference. And we'll touch on that in the Barcelona-Man City game because that was really relevant there. Uh, the second leg was a lot about managing rather than, than playing football um, necessarily for a quick sum up. Jasmina, Lena Oberdorf was out the second leg. And of course, there was still Ingrid Engen, one of the favorite players of this pod we have in our, in our top 50 list, sorry to say. Um, but Oberdorf has been such a key player for Wolfsburg this season. Do you think that affected what could have happened the second leg? Good choice with Ingrid, by the way. Um, she's been awesome. But yeah, um, generally, I would say Wolfsburg don't have a lot of options on, on, on Lena's position. So that kind of made them limited a little bit because that meant that they had to push back Alexandra Pop. What they tried to do in the first leg was a lot of crossing. And I don't need to tell you how dangerous Alexandra Pop is in the air. Like there's no other player who's as dangerous as her. So that was something that was missing up front. But other than that, I would say that they still did well, but uh, there's no denying that Lena Oberdorf is playing an outstanding first season with Wolfsburg at just 19 years old like the responsibility she brings and already takes is just one of a kind so I'm very sad for her that she had to miss out on this like when you can't help your team I don't like I don't want to imagine how she felt like watching this yeah especially at 19 well at least you know Wolfsburg do have the opportunity to to get to this stage again and she can probably make a difference there Abdullah you know we're, we're talking, we're looking a bit at numbers in this matchup. In the first leg, Prinina Rofo had an XG average of 1.24 and Prinina Harder had 0.89 and Sam Kerr had 0.31. I mean, that's that's a huge jump. And in the second leg, those numbers improved for Chelsea as a whole. Um, but, you know, that's that's a big story. That's a big gap between Rolfo and Prino Harder and Sam Kerr. That says a lot about that first leg. How telling are these numbers about what happened over the second leg, over both legs, really, compared to the scoreline that we saw? I mean, the, the numbers kind of say, I mean, usually the numbers give you give you one part of what happens. And then obviously you've got to see the rest. But I think in this case, the numbers themselves kind of 
paint the picture of the two legs. You know, Wolfsburg had so many chances and the fact that their XG and then Rolfo's XG herself is 1.24, which means that, you know, they had so many chances, but they just weren't able to, to, you know, to put them away. And I think that's been, that was their, that was their downfall, whether it was down to luck hitting the post and, you know, a couple of times in the first leg, second leg, I think Payor had a chance, she missed. There was another couple other chances that they had in the first 10, 15 minutes. I think, I think even if, one or two of those chances across the two legs go in, we have a completely different tie. So I think it was down to, and, and the funny thing is, I don't even think it was down completely down to finishing. I, I mean, they hit the post a couple of times. I mean, you're just, that's unlucky. Like you, it just bounces off there, you know? I think they played an excellent attacking game and I felt like, I felt like even in the second leg and we saw throughout the first half, they were still targeting the wide areas. They were still getting crosses in. They were still getting in behind the fullbacks. I mean, there was that moment, I think in the 10th minute, Carter was slightly out of position, higher up a pitch on the left, on the right side. And then, you know, Rolfo and, and team kind of just, you know, uses the space like I did in the first half. They get a cross in and that was like the first big chance of the game. And And imagine if they score from there... Uh, it's a whole different story. Then there was that deflection of Kirby, which then Magda Eriksson, you know, you know, took off the line. There's another opportunity there. Payor missed a, a run off the back post, and then she almost smashes her leg into the post in anger. But you know, she. That, I mean, those three chances. Imagine they put away even one or two of those chances. We have a different game. So I think it, it, it does say a lot. And Chelsea, I think, learned from the first leg a lot. Emma Hayes, I think, was deliberately sitting back a lot more. She wasn't too worried about having too much possession. They wanted to play more on the counterattack than they normally do. And, I mean, that goal, like, because slightly out, you know, against the run of play, long ball over the top by Penny Lahada, Sam Kerr. Whether the penalty or not, obviously, it's contentious. I'm not going to get into that. But that in itself just, you know, I, I think... And Alex, I think we were all talking about this on a WhatsApp group just off off air later, you know, earlier this week. Where if this is, you know, if this is Chelsea season and this is the this is, this is the way they have to go, and Jess, I think you've said this multiple times, it's down to luck as well, you know, in the Champions League, whether it's the draw, whether it's decisions, whatever it is, they got the decision for them for that penalty. You know, replay show that it could it shouldn't have been a penalty, maybe it shouldn't have, but they got it, and that was that one bit of luck that they got, you know. And I think all that put together, I think it was no matter what Wolfsburg did. I think it was just Chelsea just were going to go through no matter what happened. And let's see if their luck is good for the semifinals because now they have to face Bayern Munich. And, you know, they are a force to reckon with this season. Bayern Munich obviously overcame Rosengard 4-0 on aggregate. Not a complete surprise there, though I think I could speak for the three of us that maybe we were expecting Rosengard to score at least one goal. The first leg finished 3-0 and the second leg was a mere 1-0 win for Bayern. But that one goal was a brilliantly well-worked team goal that finished with Leo Schuller just doing what she does best really in that scoring. Bayern are first of the Bundesliga table with 17 of 17 wins, 25 straight wins in all competitions. Bit ridiculous that. Um, and this would be if they if they should go on to win the league, which it looks likely at the moment. This would be the first time they win the league since 2016, and Wolfsburg has won them all since then. So a big a big season for Bayern Munich, and now they get to prove themselves in the semifinals against Chelsea. And you know, Jasmina, looking more into that that shift of power in Germany between Wolfsburg and Bayern Munich. Can you talk us through what's been happening this season? We've mentioned in a previous pod, perhaps that Wolfsburg have a bit too much going on off the pitch that might be affecting them. And on the other hand, Bayern Munich are just using all their young talent, their best capabilities and are just flying at the moment. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Bayern Munich are a little bit scary to me this season, considering the talent they have. And you can still expect that talent to go even 
progress even further. So, but I do think that Bayern are a little more ahead of themselves than what they expect, where they expected to be in terms of progress with the team. And um, Wolfsburg, I mean, it would shock every team when you lose your key player like a few days before the season starts. And that's what happened with Penelhada. And you can't replace Penelhada just like that. Like, and that's been a huge, been playing a huge part in, in the season, I think, because the responsibility had to lay on way more shoulders now. Like, there's not that one key player that can just change the game in an instant like Pendel Harder does. She's a very complete player up front. She can basically do it all. And I don't really see that in our squad right now. So that's kind of what they've been dealing with. And um, they also lost Zarab Gunastotia, who I think played a huge role in the past seasons as well um, in that midfield next to Ingrid or Alexandra Pop. So... Um, that's kind of what I see the issue. And then, like I said, in the league, the teams don't punish you immediately for your mistakes. And they have been there with Wolfsburg. So they just need to work on that. And Bayern Munich, I mean, wow, what a team. The balance in this team is incredible from defense line to up front and the talent and the players they have. Like there's such a good mix of talent and experience. And I think... The talent they have in this squad is already playing so well on this level that I'm, like I said, scared to see what they can do in future. And I think this can be their season. They just got to keep rolling. I'm, I'm excited to see on Sunday we have the German Cup semifinal against Wolfsburg. So that's, Wolfsburg don't have much time to be sad. Now they have to be on point again against Bayern Munich. Like I'm very looking forward to seeing that because I think it's the same, like I said, in the league. This doesn't happen too often, but if you really put a lot of pressure on Bayern Munich, I don't know how they will react. And I hope that Wolfsburg can do that this weekend and maybe even Chelsea in the Champions League. Like It's a very unpredictable tie to me, if you ask me. Yeah, that, that is an interesting point that, that you say there, that Bayern Munich and Wolfsburg don't have as much challenge in the league, just like Chelsea do, for example, you know, it's not uncommon for a women's league to have the top runners and then everyone below them sort of say. So these teams don't really have a a top, top contender going up against them until they get to the stage of the Champions League, for example. But, you know, Bayern Munich are impressive this season, no doubt about it. I can speak from probably the, the rest of the world. There's, you can't say that they're not impressive. So 17 straight wins in the league, 68 goals, four, and just three against. They average a 2.85 in expected goals. Now, Chelsea have similar stats. 15 wins, two draws, and one loss, though. But they have 58 goals, for and eight goals against, averaging 2.58 in expected goals. Just slightly lower than Byron, but around the same. Abdullah... You know, seeing these numbers, getting a feel for for how Chelsea and Bayern Munich are playing. You know, just Mina mentioned Bayern Munich haven't been pushed that much. You know, they beat Wolfsburg 4-1 early in the season. And since then, they haven't really gone up against someone that's as good as they are at the moment. And now they have Chelsea, who are obviously looking like they're going to win the league again if Man City don't catch up, obviously. Um, but what are you expecting from this matchup? Seeing that, you know, their stats are very similar, but now you've seen them in action more or less. What are you expecting? You know, I think before 
this, you know, these two legs against Wolfsburg, I think everybody was expecting this Chelsea Wolfsburg, you know, I mean, at least before the first leg, it was all right. I think people were pretty confident that Chelsea would, would roll Wolfsburg over. Obviously, it didn't happen and Wolfsburg surprised everyone. And you know, here we are uh, still talking about Wolfsburg in a positive way and how it's their best game of the season and how they showed up, you know. And you'd have that, you know, it begs the question, do you, will Bayern Munich now show up, you know, in the biggest game of their season, uh, you know, so far? I think that's the same problem. I think that most of these big teams have in their own leagues, right? You look at Barcelona; they they're like miles ahead of the rest of the league. No real competition there. Lyon and PSG are really the only ones who challenge each other up there. And even then, Lyon had the better of PSG over the last few years. Same thing. And probably only in the WSL do you have Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester City, Everton, and now Manchester United. These four or five teams who are tr- now catching up to each other and, and are, are capable of beating each other. So the English teams now have this you know, people to, to, you know, to go up against them and give them a, give them a task uh, in the league. But the, you know, the European teams still have to kind of wait till they get to these rounds. I think it's easy to say that, you know, uh, you know, you know, can't, will, will their form translate into the Champions League against the bigger side? But I think, I think we've got to look at this game in a, in a different way, just because of two things. Bayern are obviously no doubt impressive with their XG stats, number of wins and, and their overall attacking play. But at the same time, they have now seen the Wolfsburg blueprint of potentially how to beat Chelsea. And obviously Chelsea had the week to adjust against Wolfsburg. And while they did make some changes, Wolfsburg was still able to get, a, you know, two, three chances, you know, to find, you know, find goal scoring chances. I think Bayern will sit down, they'll look at that and they'll go, you know what, we can, we can probably do that again. And unless Emma Hayes comes up with, again, something more, a bit more of a change than the players that are a little bit more, you know, disciplined in the way they want to, and the way they want to play. There is a actually a good chance that Bayern could actually come away with a win over the two legs because I don't, you know, I think they could really do something. And, and Bayern have, have recruited really well this summer. I mean, they picked up Hannah Glass from uh, from PSG, the right back, who's been a really good signing. Lea Schuler from Essen has been excellent. I mean, she has 61 goals and 121 appearances. She, I mean, for a team that's outside the top two, she was a goal machine, you know, for Essen. So that was an excellent pickup. And obviously, she scored the goal yesterday against Rosengard. Uh, Cindy Long is, as we've said, an underrated central midfielder, absolutely fantastic. So they, they've got all these key players around that, you know, that could cause similar issues to the way that Rolfo, Eng, Engine, Oberdorf, all of these players had. Um, so I'm expecting a very, very close, close encounter. I, I don't think they'll, I don't think it'll be like two, three, four nil. It could just come down to again, one ones, one nils, two ones, because I know that Chelsea, I think now might have to play the same style that they did against Wolfsburg in the second leg. I think they realize that they can't play their natural attacking game against all these bigger teams because there's weaknesses. You know, we've talked about the tactical weaknesses. If they do, do attack more, we saw it when G was on the pitch, it, 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 they were completely overrun. But then when you brought in Aaron Cuthbert, who just brought this energy, this tenacity, the midfield ability to win the ball and protect Jona Anderson whenever there was an attack. And that's why you saw, you know, Wolfsburg attacking down down, down their left, not, not their right. It was more coming from that side. So there, there will need to be some adjustments. I, I'm expecting a close game. And, and you know what? I wouldn't rule out Wolf, uh, Bayern Munich, you know, kind of winning the, the whole time. Jesse, after watching Chelsea Wolfsburg, what are you expecting in semis versus um, Bayern Munich? Are you just a little bit more scared than you were against Wolfsburg? I'm scared for different reasons. With Wolfsburg, I was scared because of Emma Hayes' weird curse with Wolves. This, I'm more scared because I think Bayern are, are, are a very, very good side. 
I think it's interesting because I think both Bayern and Chelsea are in very similar positions where they've obviously put a lot into their women's teams. These are two really good, really exciting sides who've never really had that moment on a, on the European stage. And it's going to be interesting because obviously one of these teams will be in the final. And I think for either team, it's going to be a really, really big moment. I think it's interesting how Emma Hayes spoke about feeling like Chelsea maybe struggled with Wolfsburg slightly more direct style of play and that that isn't something that we necessarily see in, in the WSL so much at least at a level of talent that Wolfsburg have to play to play in that way sometimes whereas I think Bayern's movement is is almost hypnotic you know at times the, the way those attacking players move about is just really incredible but I do think Chelsea are maybe more familiar with coming up against that style of play in in playing regularly against Arsenal and, and City, for example. So in some ways, I feel like maybe Chelsea are a bit more tactically prepared to play this Bayern team than they were against Wolfsburg. But I do, as I kind of said earlier, worry about that psychological thing of seeing, you know, not only against Wolfsburg, like the level of panic, but also against Atletico Madrid, you know, Chelsea have given up, what, four penalties now across these kind of knockout ties in the Champions League. And to me, that is just a massive concern because, you know, these are guilt-ed opportunities that that this defence is giving away. And, you know, it's only for the fact that Atletico Madrid clearly can't take a penalty that I think Chelsea are even still in this competition. So that's a big worry for me, I think. Yeah, it is interesting to see kind of the Chelsea back four go up against these European sides because obviously in the WSL they're classed as one of the best and I think Marin Melde would have made a difference going up against Wolfsburg particularly because they are really big on the wings and I think Marin Melde has been having one of their best seasons and could have been big on that but yeah it is concerning to see how many penalties Chelsea have given away and it is true that perhaps luck was on their side up against Atletico Madrid um, and even Wolfsburg as we said you know hit two posts in the first leg early in the second leg um, not sure I think it was Bahor um, who had that chance clear of an open net went sliding and then she missed it right really really closely but Jasmina last question for you having watched Chelsea go up against a German team in this particular instance it was Bayern Munich who were having the better season than Wolfsburg what are you expecting from the semi-final between Bayern and Chelsea? Well, I'm going to hurt a lot of English fans, but I'm expecting a German win, of course. <laughs> you, I had to say that. No, but, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how Bayern now step up to this challenge. Um, like I said, there's not a lot of teams who can challenge them, like Wolfsburg or Chelsea can. Um, so that's going to be very interesting. I do think that Chelsea need to be very careful because Bayern have opportunity or even they can punish for mistakes so that backline needs to really be on point it wasn't always the case against Wolfsburg so that's that's going to be one factor but in in return I also think that Chelsea's individual quality up front can hurt Bayern I think it's going to be a very tight game like I said earlier a little bit unpredictable for me because I don't know how Bayern will react to a lot of pressure I'm going to get a first glance at it on Sunday, hopefully. But um, yeah, I'm just going to be surprised, I guess. But I hope that uh, Bayern can go through. I think that they deserve to win everything that's possible, considering the work they put in the team and the investment 
they put in the women's game. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to be very excited to watch it and root for them. That's that's going to sound we- weird as a voice book reporter, but, you know, I'm always rooting for the German side, obviously. I think I think everyone that listens to the pod um, will understand that as football fans, really. Actually, adding one more question for you, Jasmina, for kind of an audience that perhaps doesn't watch the Bundesliga as often as you do. Can you give us like maybe one or two players to look out for on the Bayern Munich side? That's, again, a very tough question because there are so many. Like, where do I start? Clara Buell, Lea Schiller, Sidney Lohmann. There's just so many players they need to be careful of. <laughs> that that would be my top three. I'm a huge fan of all of them. But I also have to, like, no, she's not young, but Marina Higering in the back line, central defender, she is very dangerous. Like, don't let her unleash her full potential. Yeah, definitely. She did uh, She did stand out against Rosengard, I think, in the second leg for me, at least. But this wraps up this section. A big thank you to Jasmina for joining us and bringing us more insight into Wolfsburg and Bayern Munich. And make sure you're following her on Twitter at Jash Schwemler. I don't know if I got that one as good as the first time um, to read all her content on the Frauen Bundesliga. Uh, thank you again, Jasmina. Thank you so much for having me. Manchester City couldn't manage the not-so-tough task of coming back against Barcelona, even though Gareth Taylor said that it wasn't too hard. Sorry, I I really did have to put that quote in there at least one more time because I still can't believe that he said that. And now it's come to bite him in the ass. Though City handed Barcelona the first loss of the season in 90 minutes, they couldn't do enough to complete their comeback, and Barcelona are through to the semifinals on a 4-2 aggregate win. From the start of the match, you can tell which team needed a desperate early goal. Obviously, that was Man City. It's kind of interesting to see the second leg of matches all the time because it's more about managing a score than going outright and and playing your normal football, sort of say. Um, But obviously, Man City did pretty well. You know, Roosevelt, Samuels did really well, particularly Roosevelt. She's kind of the Aaron Cuthbert of... Man City of bringing that energy and getting the ball back and getting the ball the ball forward and Man City had two corners in the opening minutes of the match I mean they you could tell that they wanted that they were desperate for that early goal but also you know Barcelona were managing the game but they were still out at attack you know they, they still got their attacking opportunities at the start of the match as well um, but Janine Becky got City's first goal in the 20th minute from a poor defended corner, if we're being honest. There was, understandably, there was like three Barcelona players on Sam Uis, um, which left Dal Kemper and Janine Becky open just for an easy tap-in, really. But City were looking better this time around, um, but still struggling to score against a really good Barcelona side that I thought were really sound defensively, considering how aggressive City were in the attack. But in the 59th minute, Oshuala killed City's dreams of any sort of comeback after getting a big away goal, which meant that City needed four goals in 30 minutes. If they haven't managed to score more than one goal in the past two legs, that was likely never going to happen. Mewis got the second goal of the afternoon in the 68th minute from a very questionable penalty. <laughs> we can definitely debate about that one. Um, but Leila Wahabi apparently took down Ellen White in the box. Whether there was contact, whether there was enough contact, whether Ellen White just kicked herself in the back of her foot and took herself down, nobody knows. Uh, but I guess I, we'll touch on it. What did you guys think? Was it a penalty or was it not a penalty? 
I thought it wasn't a penalty. I thought she kicked herself. Honestly speaking, I'm going to put it out there. I really thought that. It, it, I mean, there was like a little tap on the shoulder, but nothing, nothing to write home about. And then I, I just looked like she kicked herself and just went down. So that's my thought. Jesse, I don't know about you. I mean, I think in the grand scheme of the match, it didn't really matter whether it was a penalty or not, did it? I was you have just to have like, an opinion. Come on. <laughs> I just We're feel like. <laughs> When it comes to like dodgy penalty decisions, and I mean there like have been quite a lot in this in this Champions League, but I just kind of think whatever, whatever. <laughs> That's fair enough. It, it didn't it didn't influence the end of the score. That is true. That's what matters. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, Barcelona definitely played to the match, and what I mean by the match, they definitely played to a three 0 advantage, and their numbers were down from their average over the season and the first leg. Though they still edged possession with 52% in the second leg, they only managed 428 passes. And their season average right now is 660. So a lot lower than their season average. And, you know, obviously Barcelona, women play much like the men's side. They Their biggest aspect is attacking with possession, defending with possession. Having the ball is the key aspect of the way Barcelona play. But even performing less than their average, they still had a better XG than City in the second leg. Um, 2.66 for Barcelona versus 2.42 for City. A lot of goals missed, again, for Oshuala, um, who had numerous chances like she did in the first leg, two of which Lucy Bronze put her body on the line for, quite literally. One of them was, um, I think, to her ribs that she blocked it with. And then the other one she cleared just off the line. So, you know... Jesse, there was a lot of criticism on City. Um, I think most of it a bit unfair, saying that they should have done better, that, you know, bringing all these signings and spending all the money, and yet you lose to Barcelona in the quarterfinal of the Champions League. Was this the case of City being a really good team and Barcelona being simply better? Yeah, I don't know. I felt like City got almost too much praise for this. Everyone was like, yeah, City beat Barcelona. And I'm like, if you start the game 3 0 down it doesn't count in the same way because Barcelona are going to play totally differently and I did think Barcelona still looked like much the better team for most of the game I thought this was really disappointing from Gareth Taylor really given all the stuff he came out with but you know I know as soon as Barcelona scored it it was kind of it felt out of reach but taking off Lucy Bronze and Ellen White after 73 minutes like I just felt you know Georgia Stanway and Jess Park both had good opportunities towards the end of the game neither of whom could finish them. And you just thought if Ellen White was still playing, would you have maybe got one, two, you know, just to, it just felt like he gave up as soon as Barcelona scored. And I'm not a Man City fan, but if I was, I think I'd just be really frustrated because City are playing Spurs this weekend. Spurs aren't having a great season. You wouldn't think that was a game they really needed to save players for. Then it's the international break. So if you're Gareth Taylor, like who cares that you're putting like loads of minutes in your players before they go away. I just didn't really understand like what he wanted from this game because it just felt like there was a real, you know, having come out with these really bold statements, there was this real like, oh, well, I guess that's it. And I just thought that was like a really strange attitude to have towards it and, and to put on your team. Kind of a, a follow-up 
quick question for you, Jesse, on in terms of tactics. You know, Janine Becky started on that right wing, and though she is, I do admire her aggressiveness in the attack. You know, a lot of the time she got the ball, she drove forward. Her shots were very potent, but at the angles that she was shooting at, you know, there is no way that she should have shot half the shots that she had. She should have crossed it into Ellen White, who is deadly in the box. Would you? Maybe I'd rather seen Georgia Stanway, for example, on that wing rather than Janine Becky in the second leg. I don't know. I think it's Janine Becky. It, she's always a very frustrating player because kind of, as you said, Alex, you can see the talents there, but it just feels like it it never quite comes out in the right right moments. I don't know. I never liked Georgia Stanway that much off the right. I think she's a lot better when she's more central generally, but I think it might have offered a bit more fight perhaps than Janine Becky and George Samway has at least played a lot more than Janine Becky which probably would have helped but it was always going to be tough for City as soon as Lauren Hemp had her ear infection and was basically too sleepy to play which I thought was the cutest explanation for a player missing a game. You could could just picture uh, Lauren Hemp in her jammies sat home with a cup of tea watching her team play. Um, moving back to the football though, Abdullah, Barcelona plays either Lyon or PSG in the semifinals. And unfortunately for me and Barcelona, Patrick Guijarro will miss the first leg of the semifinal due to suspension. It's because of a yellow accumulated. All yellow cards are in fact wiped from the semifinal on. But if you got the suspension in the second leg of the quarterfinal, that does carry over to one leg. Um, so she will miss the first leg of the semifinal. Abdullah, how big of a blow is this for Barcelona? You know, of course, her replacements are Vicky Lozada and Keira Hamraoui that are, are big, but, you know, Patrick Guijarro has cemented herself into that midfield. You know, everybody knows how she plays. She plays brilliantly with Alexia Putellas and um, Aitana Bonmati. And someone else is going to come into that against probably the biggest game of Barcelona's, you know, they've been waiting if they come up against Lyon, they've been waiting for this moment since that final. It's, it's about to go down, you know, um, but how big of a blow is, is that loss for them? I'll get on to Lyon, potentially a Lyon Barcelona semifinal in a second, but no, I, I totally agree with you. I think Patri's miss is going to be massive just because not only because of the way she's been playing as this deep line playmaker who's just been running the show from midfield and netting Putellas and, and, and Co kind of forward, but it's also because of the chemistry the three of them have had throughout the season. They just know how each other play really well, and I'm sure the replacements will have some sort of understanding. Obviously, their teammates, they play with each other, but these three have been in sensational form, you know, to the extent where you you almost look at them at the way you looked at Xavi, Iniesta, and, and uh, Busquets, you know, for the, for the men's team. So I, I think it's a big blow. You know, if I'm, if I'm looking at <clears throat> who should be um, uh, replacing her, I think because it's against either Lyon or PSG, both who have some amazing attacking talent, both in midfield and attacking midfield, I would maybe just throw in Kira Hamraoui for the experience and for her defensive qualities, just to kind of keep it there. So, you know, maybe even for the first leg, just where you need to be a little bit more cautious, it's maybe not a totally bad thing that she's missing the first leg, but obviously you'd rather have her there than not. Yeah, especially coming up, um, you know, even talking about Lyon or PSG, you know, both of their midfields, both of their attacks are, you know, ridiculous. You're going to either go up against uh, Katoto, Diani, Baltimore, or you're going to go up against Eugenie Le Sommer, um, Cascarino, Carchaoui, you know, name either team. You're going to have 
ridiculous talent that you're going up against. And in case anyone missed it, Lyon versus PSG will be played on April 18th in the middle of the day, of course, because this is the Women's Champions League. Uh, Lyon have a 1-0 lead into the second leg and PSG now need a scoreline of 1-0 to force extra time or get two or more away goals and draw and that would be enough. And Leon just need to keep a clean sheet or win, basically. So it's it's a bit of a puzzle there. But before we wrap up, Jesse, what are your semifinal predictions? You, you can start with either Leon PSG, you know, give a sound um, prediction on that one, and then go on to to Chelsea, Bayern Munich, and then Barcelona. I, I, we should just say Barcelona versus France, pretty much. That's going to be it. Uh, so what are your predictions, Jesse? I think Leon will hold on against PSG but I think Barcelona will beat Lyon in the semi-finals and I think Bayern Munich will beat Chelsea I think it'll be a Barcelona Bayern Munich final that's that's yeah I think I said it earlier that would be like my dream final just because of how good you know not solely because of you know obviously I want Barcelona to go through but the form that these two sides are are in at the moment is just exquisite um, and Abdullah same question for you what are your predictions it's tough because you know on either side of the draw, I've got teams that I support or like. So it's it's it's. But I'm going to put a level head, rational thoughts here. I'm going to start off. I think Bayern just about edge Chelsea. I don't want. I, I I hate betting against Chelsea the way they've been playing, and but I just this Bayern team is just so good. I mean, you know, they again, like we said, it's it's, it's question about whether they can translate it to the bigger games. Um, I think maybe they just could. So I'm gonna I'm gonna edge it to Bayern, and on the other side. You know, okay, I got, I got, I got a, an answer that comes from my mind and I got an answer coming from my heart for Lyon PSG. My mind says Lyon have been so good in the Champions League over the last 10 years, you know, eight, nine years. And that any time, even last season, when they weren't playing well, they pulled it out of the bag. But this season, we're still waiting for them to come good to the point where you're, you've got convinced by their performances. So my mind is saying PSG just about snatch it and they go through. But my heart says Leon is this is Leon's coming out part. This is this is the moment where they finally come back and they go and say, All right, guys, we're back on the grand stage where it really matters. Whoever's gonna face us in, you know, in the final, you better watch out, we're back. You know, this is kind of when they come through. So I'm gonna go with my heart this time and I'm gonna say Leon go through and it's gonna be a Leon Barcelona, uh, Leon versus uh, Bayern Munich final. Oh, bit of a different thing there. Death stare from Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm scared. I, I don't think I'm going to be on the next couple of pod guys. So I, don't, I don't know. We'll there. see about that. Yeah, I think I, th- I think pretty much the same, to be fair. I think I think Bayern Munich will just about edge it from Chelsea. I think also because, like, you know, we've mentioned a few times this episode already that Bayern Munich haven't gone and up against this opponent and haven't exposed a lot of weaknesses as of now. Whereas Chelsea, you know, they've kind of been wearing their heart on their sleeve against Atletico Madrid and Wolfsburg. And you saw a lot of places that you can exploit a lot of weaknesses in this Chelsea team. So I don't know if perhaps maybe it's going to be easier for Bayern Munich to prepare tactically against Chelsea that have exposed a lot of things here and there. But overall, I think, yeah, I think there's no stopping this Bayern Munich side. And, you know, they are young and they don't have that much competition. But at the end of the day, these are all experienced players. And I think the way that they've all gelled together this season is a bit unstoppable. And then I don't know if I want to think about Barcelona-Lyon because I do I do think Lyon might edge it just because it's a game that's been played numerous times. And the fact that PSG have to come back 
from at least one goal to force extra time. And then, you know, extra time, that's when Lyon are just going to flex their depth and squad. And I think that's going to help, you know, even if I, I would say maybe if it's a one no scoreline for PSG, which is definitely possible, they force extra time. And if they manage to to manage that 30 minutes of extra time and keep it in the same scoreline, they can definitely edge it in the penalties. You know, I do think Cristiano Ler is, is a bit better on that front than than Boadi, perhaps. But we'll see, you know, and then in the semifinal, Barcelona, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's Lyon. Anybody that goes up against Lyon has a risk of losing and has a high risk of losing to Lyon. Um, it just depends how Barcelona show up on the day. They have a lot of weaknesses. They have a lot of, of players that can that can have really, really bad days. So I think it's it's about on the day. I think the motivation is going to play a big part, though. I think the passion of, of wanting to, to knock Lyon out after what they did to them in the, in the final might play a bigger role than the actual football. So we'll see about that. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to jinx it. I will. I will say. I will say for Barcelona. I think they've been playing obviously the best football. I think they've been playing in the last couple of seasons. They've been amazing. I wouldn't be surprised if they just turned up and absolutely decimated um, Lyon. Because not to forget, they're without Ada Hegerberg this time, who scored a hat trick in that final. You know, in 20, 25 minutes, they don't have that sort of firepower anymore, and and that is a huge factor in the way Lyon have not been performing as well this season because of her presence up front, that what she brings tactically and what she doesn't. Like you said, I think there are weaknesses, like we talked about before. The fullbacks of Barcelona are a little bit iffy. That's where they Cascarino and Co can attack. But it's going to be a very, very close game. I don't think either team is going to run away with it. I don't think we get a repeat of Man City, Barcelona, first, you know, I don't think we get a repeat of that. Uh, But, you know, it's going to be a tight game. It's just, you know, experience, I think, may just count here a little bit more. But I wouldn't be surprised if Barcelona went through their fantastic team. Alex, I hope I made up for that now. I think I think maybe we'll invite you back. I think I think we should also do bets, and whoever loses has to do something ridiculous. I saw one of my friends do that, and he had to get dressed in full ice hockey gear, but without the jersey, so just the under thing, and he had to do a dance. So I think we should definitely do something like that. But we'll we'll leave that for a bit later. We can brainstorm, maybe ask people what they want to see. We'll leave it at that for this episode. We hope you enjoyed this Champions League episode of Box to Box WSL. And we will see you next time, probably for another WSL episode. We hope you guys have been enjoying those as much as you've been enjoying these. Make sure you're following our official Twitter account at box to box wsl to keep up to date with all information and updates about the pod. See you soon, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Right, thanks.